0: hallelujah we thank god for another wednesday we thank god for life we thank god for health and we thank him for the ability and the freedom to meet even to worship him this evening it's just by his grace it's not by our might it's not by our strength it's not by anything we have it's just by his grace and for that we are very thankful on behalf of bishop james and pastor justine hansen saki I would like to welcome you to this evening's Get Understanding service. Um, if you are like me, you get I get really excited when it's Get Understanding because it's always another opportunity to learn more through the questions that we ask and to become even deeper rooted in the faith. So if you are, I hope you're excited. You have your notepads, your pens, your tablets, and your questions ready. If you haven't sent your questions through already. You can post them on Facebook, Christchurch International, on YouTube, Christchurch HQ, or you can send them to our email address, getunderstanding@christchurches.org. So, this evening we'll be talking about the relationship between a pastor and the congregation. And this follows on from the teachings that we've had two weeks um, ago, uh, last week and the week before, On understanding your pastor so I think it's going to be an exciting evening and before I bring the shop on I'm just going to do a quick recap of everything we learned or what I learned and then we'll take the questions from there so um, we did part one two weeks ago and in part one the question was why do pastors prefer to lead with a small group of people And whether that was discrimination or not, because sometimes people think that is discrimination within the church. And uh, Bishop taught us that it is not discrimination, it's positive differentiation. And because in church, you have different people with different maturity levels. We looked at Jesus's example, the author and finisher of our faith. And uh, we learned that Jesus had a lot of disciples and this was all the people who followed him. And out of the disciples, he prayed all night, and he chose twelve, and those twelve he called the apostles. And out of the twelve, he also had the three, which was Peter, James, and John. And these three were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was very sorrowful, and they were also with him um, during the Transfiguration. And out of the three, we had the one um, that the Bible refers to as the one whom Jesus loved, and we learned that that was John and we know that because um in at the last supper when jesus said that one of you is going to betray me and you have thought that it would be peter whom jesus loved but peter turned to john and said ask him who it is and the bible says that john put his head on jesus's breast and asked him who it was and that shows the level of relationship that he had with jesus so um bishop then taught us four four reasons why um pastors or leaders like to lead with such a small group of people and the first one was that he likes to a leader would always like to work with people who think like him to achieve a lot more and that's why usually you find a smaller group of people that he works with We also learned that sometimes there are people for whom there is a special, specific assignment and that he wants to give them and before he can do that, he needs to bring them close to him or her and train them to be able to do the assignment. Thirdly, we learned that there may be people who have remarkable strengths but may also have some flaws and Peter comes to mind here again and he brings them close to him so that he can teach them and help them overcome the flaws. And finally, he taught us that um, these are people that the leader might be comfortable, more comfortable with. Especially because pastors are humans as well. And these are people that that they can see his human side and not turn around and disrespect him. And that was part one. Part two, so it's going to be a long summary. I'm sure when I finish, Bishop will tell me whether I've been a good student or not. (laughs) um part two uh, we spoke about the functions um of pastors uh, because bishop told, taught us that um if you don't know the functions of something it's very easy to abuse it and some if, even though um, min- ministers or pastors are highly misunderstood people people think that they understand ministry itself and sometimes that causes prejudice and abuse and all that so we started off by asking If there was a need for pastors, because you hear a lot of people saying that we are all born again. We all have the Holy Spirit. And uh, Bishop used a scripture in Hebrews chapter 13. um, That says that, remember your leaders who spoke to you about the word of God. And it says, imitate their faith and submit yourself to their authority. Because they watch over your souls to give accounts. And so if the Bible says, calls them leaders. And also to submit to authority it means that there's an authority structure within the church and the leaders there that are referred to would be your pastors and then we moved on to look at why pastors what are their major functions uh, bishop taught us as the bible says that their main functions is to teach the the to equip the saints which are the believers for the work of the ministry and how do they do this we looked at second timothy chapter three and four and uh, we learned that the first um, function of the, of the pastor is to teach doctrine and to make sure that the, the correct doctrine is taught and the wrong ones are not taught in his church, which is why they must guard their pulpit very well so that not anyone comes in and come and teaches things um, that are not right. The second function we learned is to rebuke or to scold or to blast. Um, so when your 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 pastor is blasting you because you've done something wrong uh, don't don't think that you are the you are we are all Christians so uh, who is he or she to to blast me that is a function of the pastor and once we know the function we don't abuse it but we take it humbly and we use it to grow the third one was after you rebuke you correct especially on things of matters of doctrine Because doctrine makes all the difference between going to hell and going to earth. And the fourth function that we finished on was the pastors train people. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, this is what we were taught over the past two weeks. And we are here to learn more uh, because pastors have to train us. So we are here to learn more and to get more understanding. So keep the questions coming. Don't keep your questions to yourselves. Um, We are all here to learn. Hallelujah amen so at this point i'll just ask that with um shouts in your homes and um, online with emojis and with a clap help me to welcome our very own bishop hansen saki to tonight's service hallelujah because obviously we cannot have get understanding without bishop to answer our questions and of course with the help of the holy spirit as well Papa, thank you very much for another opportunity this evening. Thank you, thank you.
1: Um, we thank God for tonight. And what a summary. She got it all right. <laughs> so I'm going to award her degree. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's, that is what a leader aspires to, to, to gladden the heart of your pastor. That's what you thought could be summarized by walk in it and practice it then you are growing the people in the house of god so blessed and excited to to be your pastor Pastor, amen Amen. Uh, we thank god for tonight let's pray shortly before we proceed heavenly father we ask your wisdom to preside over this service we pray in the name of jesus holy spirit that you use me to bring answers to your people I pray that you direct my heart into your word, that my answers and responses will be biblical and will be correct according to your intention and according to how you sent your word into the world. We thank you in Jesus' name that this evening your people will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. If you've just joined us, this is Christchurch International. We are having our midweek service and we are talking about the relationship between a pastor and the congregation. Um, Keep your questions coming. And I will kick off with uh, Bishop. The first question is, how do I maintain a healthy relationship with my pastor?
1: How do I maintain a healthy relationship with my pastor? Um, I believe that everyone is different but there are principles in the word of god that should guide us our pastors are human they are they may have their own personalities that may be different from one's personality so there will be personality clashes here and there Um, but the fundamental thing is to understand who they are in the sight of god that they are god's servants and they are agents of god so we first of all relate with them from that perspective that's I'm dealing with a servant of God. You know, so that once that is there, it informs the way you approach your pastor, the way you speak to him, the way you respond to him, and the way the relationship then builds on from there when it is undergirded by this very important principle that they are much as they look ordinary, they are servants of God. And so as a result of that, we honor them because of the God who called them. And so, our relationship with them must be that of respect and honor uh, because of the fact that they are called by God. And so, we are referring to those who are genuinely called by God. (laughs) And so, I think that is how the relationship starts from there. And we maintain it consistently with that mindset because it is the mindset that makes the difference. If we don't maintain that mindset, we will move into the realms of familiarity and not being able to distinguish who is before us that's where the inappropriate behavior and relationship then starts the moment we lose sight of that and we bear this in mind it changes the game if we look at the relationship between moses and his siblings um, in his case god called him and the first group of people god gave to him to also support him in his ministry where his siblings you know his oldest sibling who was um, Aaron and then Miriam um, who then uh, assisted him uh, but then somewhere along the line um, they probably couldn't distinguish between whether they are dealing with their youngest brother or they were dealing with their pastor and and that is where the challenge came in when they came to discuss something about his marriage and they didn't approach him with respect um you i mean scholars reckon that Miriam would have been about 12 years older than Moses remember that there was a law that you know male children born to Jewish parents should be killed so a lot of parents were being careful having a child and so there was such a big gap between Miriam and Moses that was why she could play that key role she played when the boy was born and after three months the parents had to put him in a basket not a a a little girl can play the role that miriam played she would have been a very early teenage girl to play that role uh, to stay there and actually play that kind of reconnaissance work which was can't be played by a little child she she must be of that age and intelligence to do that so you're looking at that age difference and they came to address him in in a way that was not very polite and the bible says, and the lord heard it and suddenly called them to a meeting and said um, if there's a prophet because they also said they they hear from god you know this sort of equalization is where the mistake so in their case it was double they were Operating in the spirit of equalization, we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. We can hear from God. And secondly, you yourself, you are our youngest brother, so we can approach you and talk to you any way we, we want. And I think that's where they missed it. And to their shock, God came in and called the meeting and addressed them all and said, On the spiritual side, if there's a prophet among you, I reveal myself to them in visions and speak to them in dreams and indeed you are prophets as you claim but the level of your prophetic relationship with me the dimension of the anointing is different for moses i don't speak in dreams and visions i speak plainly i reveal myself to him plainly he doesn't need to decode um, a symbolic revelation it's as plain as it is then god finally concluded and said therefore why were you not afraid to speak against my servant you see where he comes in now he takes it personal as if they were not his servants (laughs) but they were but then that is the difference which we need to uh, learn to distinguish between so when we get that i believe that you know we one can write a lot about this but i believe the fundamental thing from my personal experience in how i related with those ahead of me my pastors in the faith is that constant mindset that no matter how no matter how down to earth he comes no matter how he behaves and relates with me and cracks jokes with me i I still have that thing in mind that this is still a vessel of god so and david bore that in mind sorry i'm going on but i think it's to comprehensively answer the question you know david had such a mindset concerning king saul that no matter how king saul was after his life to kill him etc he had two chances to kill him and he still restrained his men and said the lord's anointed and one would have thought the guy is misbehaving is still saying the lord's anointed david understood something that this is still the lord's anointed you know even when he separate, still called him my father and the lord's anointed and i'm sure to annoy his generals but he still said he's still the lord's anointed you know so you realize that david's relationship with him was still based on the fact that he formed a mindset that no matter how this man's natural and physical and personal you know personality may come in I, I will not do certain things beyond a certain barrier because i know he's still a servant of god so i think throughout the scriptures you see things like that that tells us this should be the fundamental mindset we should have as we relate with our pastor thank you
0: very much papa so um the relationship has to be always be undergirded by the fact that even though he's human and yes. um, he's a servant of god i'm guessing that uh, this maintaining this and always keeping that in mind Mm. comes with some form of maturity as well but are there what are some steps that you can take when maybe you catch yourself becoming too familiar Mm. or you know thinking thoughts uh, or you 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 can feel within yourself that you've sort of crossed some some barrier of respect or honor Mm. what can you do to get back to to the right track
1: um there are two scenarios that can happen here either you would have done it so you know flagrantly before the person and in that case you just need to trace back your steps to apologize um if you felt that he saw that and therefore you know there would have been a distance uh, because of course pastors are nice but they are very sensitive and sometimes they are very mindful of who shows this respect and think oh did i go too low did they not miss Did they not get the revelation that i'm still relating you know jesus was the son of god and he's god himself uh, he comes down and eats with this fishermen, who actually he created um, sometimes peter had gone a little bit outside the zone the bible says one he tried to rebuke jesus and he did and jesus called him aside and dealt with him you know so there is that possibility that's there and i believe that that is what judas may have probably you know their familiarity could have been there that's why he thought probably maybe he's just human anyway let me betray him because i think if he's constantly mindful that this is still god probably he would have been careful attempting to betray him so it's it's possible that uh, as humans we we can sometimes miss the line um and sometimes it even happens in pastoral marriages where sometimes you know the, the spouse who is not the pastor um, sometimes forget that you are dealing with your pastor <laughs> you know so it's a very thin line i mean i'm sure it was the mistake of uh, michael micael Saul's first daughter who was david's um wife and i think that she at that point that's where that sometimes it becomes very complicated with god because this god uh, if you are dealing genuinely with his servant his behavior sometimes is some way you know i believe that miriam and around went to speak their mind and then god took it in a different way uh, david goes to dance publicly as he brought the ark uh, he gets home and the wife just says look at how you are dancing naked before the people and god took the matter seriously david also became offended and that you couldn't distinguish between your husband and a priest of god the prophet of god and the king of israel you couldn't make that difference and 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 the bible says as a result of that statement she made she became barren for the rest of her life you know so you see certain things that happen this way so sometimes when we miss it i think that we can promptly apologize if we felt that we have crossed the line and maybe pastor may not have seen it then we adjust it the next time so that the next time we find ourselves around the same circle and maybe the same conversation was going on you you check yourself in the way you do it so it's it's every circumstance would dictate how to really correct that error um, you don't run away he's still human and he's a father or a mother figure and so they could understand that maybe they too as they were rising may have committed such mistakes The only challenge is that sometimes we still have very intolerant men of god who you know much as they committed those same mistakes when they were rising uh would not tolerate that at all around them and 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 then mess up a relationship so it is possible that as the closer you get um the the possibility that there could be those sort of uh, little mistakes and errors and um maybe let me say uh you know a misapplication of proper conduct around the servant of god so when you miss it, apologize. Uh, I've had that experience in the past where someone did that. Um, and one I saw it um, and called the person's attention to it. But the second one, that's another person, the person did it and was feeling guilty, you know, felt like maybe i maybe I picked it. I did it. But the person came to say, you know, the other day when we we're all talking, I said this and I felt it wasn't appropriate um so i just came to apologize if you felt that way Uh, i'm not disrespecting you in any way i forgive i move on i encourage the person so sometimes you may pick it yourself and maybe the man or the woman hasn't picked it you could if you still feel guilty and feel condemned you could still approach the person raise it and then that would be another form of mentoring and an opportunity to learn anyway so i think that this would be the approach if you missed it apologize raise it say i missed it and you are forgiven and you move on and if you did it and you feel guilty even though the man may not have said anything approach him, get it right or you correct it yourself when the situation presents itself again in a similar way you act differently and i think that would be one of the ways to really um, help yourself
0: thank you very much papa so yes uh, we have taken off yes. and uh, we are already learning a lot so if you've missed it apologize and move on and learn from it amen amen Amen. Amen. um the second question i have papa Mm -hmm. it says how important is loyalty commitment and dedication when it comes to the relationship between a pastor and the congregation
1: okay um the subject of loyalty is a very important subject Um, and just like every other subject it has been abused but the fact that it has been abused in certain uh, settings and certain churches it doesn't remove the fact that it is still a very important thing Um, loyalty dedication and commitment um, are necessary um, keys to the establishment of any organization uh, whether private businesses governments ministries even you know government itself the president or the prime minister requires loyal people you know that's why sometimes the prime minister will fire someone for for, for disloyalty um, because without loyalty establishments will crumble and anything that is even in marriage <laughs> you need loyalty from from each of you in the in the union so everything on the earth requires loyalty to operate well and like i said earlier on it can be abused or not but they are very very important things because without loyalty vision cannot be transferred to the next level in 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 second timothy uh, paul said that the things you have heard from me among many witnesses the same thing commit to faithful men you see the word faithful is the word pistis that means loyal dependable reliable so he says i am one paul the things you heard from me you are to timothy take it and pass it on to faithful men who will be able to teach others also so you see it can run four generations or to four sets of people so you need faithful or dependable and reliable people to carry the vision on. what we do in church is carrying out vision everything we are doing in church is carrying out a mission god has given to us to that church every church we are all the body of christ but we have all been given specialist roles to play that is why you've got different ministries with different emphasis in the body of christ but nothing would work well without loyal and faithful people jesus had to have loyal and faithful people and we all saw the devastating effect of just one disloyal person judas You could tell the impact he couldn't afford to even have two that is why the bible says that when he picked it in the spirit whilst they were having dinner that satan has desired to have peter also he said i have prayed for you so that when you are saved or redeemed you also help your brethren so peter could have fallen and of course even when jesus prayed for him even the best of jesus intercession could result in denial can you imagine if jesus had not prayed for peter probably it would have been worse so if 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 satan is able to get two of his men to be that disloyal it would have destabilized everything and he wasn't going to be around physically on the earth for a long time but if we are talking about the church of jesus christ after 2000 years it was because there was a core team of dedicated committed and loyal people so the church itself would not progress without loyal people people are ready to die for the vision who are ready to stand in but they must first understand it and pass it on that's how systems get established that's how churches get established that's how visions get established so it's a very fundamental requirement in leadership to have very loyal dedicated and committed members who will be there to help the work go on and there will be attacks and that is why in the moment of attacks what will keep you going is dedicated and loyal people when jesus was publicly humiliated and arrested would you have joined his church again so it takes some loyal people who understand that this can happen to to pastor all the way to the cross it was a moment of humiliation there have been seasons of breakthrough and power when he healed many and fed five thousand and there were crowds that wanted to make him a king then they stormed jerusalem in that triumphant entry it was powerful but it was still possible as a result of very loyal and committed people who took a risk to go and get a donkey and bring it for him to sit on and then they didn't sit on they walked and cheered him up you know loyalty has got many aspects of it but with all that victory then came the moment of the shame of the victory of the vision where he has been arrested crucified naked and all of them had to flee for their lives for that moment but eventually they started coming together because they were still loyal and committed and that's how visions go on to the next generation everything we're giving birth to must outlive us and outlast us if if whatever you started died with you then then there was no need to have started it in the first place but if anything will last longer than you then it requires loyal and faithful people so it is a very major requirement in the ministry the sad thing is that loyalty can be taught and it can be taught properly without taking it to the far right or to the extreme where it is now becoming controlling that even the loyalties demanded said that you cannot even you know suggest anything within that organization you can't you cannot have an opinion you can't suggest something there are certain things that you know those ones are uh uh, non-negotiables like the name of the church it falls on the founder of the church it's, it's, that's there but you know every other thing or maybe we are planning for a crusade or something you know we can't say the holy ghost said you know only these 10 people will go or we are going to get this car necessarily or this bus from this very company no you leave it to people they are professionals they are people with skill that can actually run those things god brought them all to help they understand loyalty but loyalty that tries to stifle people from speaking that tries to control people, um, try to humiliate people, uh, even when they miss it, you know. Try to publicly disgrace them, um, and all those things. And and if they commit a mistake, that they are shamed publicly and humiliated, in the name of loyalty, I I don't think that is the best. And that now moves into witchcraft, which is trying to control people. And trying to raise robots out of them, you know, you must speak like me, otherwise you are not loyal. You know, it doesn't have to. There are, there are unctions that fall on people, and they end up speaking like the leader. That's fine. but it mustn't be the leader demanding sound like me. You know, otherwise you are, not, you are not becoming the Holy Ghost. You know, God calls us with our personalities, and the personalities He uses it to actually also advance His work. So people come with different backgrounds and different personalities genuine loyalty does not seek to control them it seeks to create platform for them to perform and yet being loyal faithful and would not abandon the sheep or betray the master or betray the house or join others to slander the work of god so let me let me pause here before amen. i end up lecturing the whole
0: night <laughs> amen thank you papa so um nothing works without faithful and loyal people um, but loyalty does not stifle people, it yeah. doesn't control people and it doesn't disgrace people. Amen. So loyalty is not to be abused. It is yes. very important um, to make church grow. It is very important to make organizations grow, yeah. but it is not to be abused. Amen. 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 So I have a follow-on question with lo- about loyalty. Yes. It says that loyalty is often spoken about when referring to a congregation member and their commitment to the pastor. Mm my question is should the same level of loyalty and commitment be expected from the pastor to the congregation member
1: yes absolutely in fact that is the fundamental work of the pastor you see he is a shepherd that is why the bible says a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep you can't lay down your life for something you are not committed to that you are not loyal to so the pastor also must be loyal to the flock and indeed it has been again when i talk about the abuse it's been taught with a one-way slant where it sounds like only the congregation must be loyal to the pastor but the pastor must be loyal to the flock he must also be committed available you know and and loyal so that when his flock calls on him whether they are rich or poor he shows up to be there in their moment of need so it's not like every time to the pastor be loyal to him but he's nowhere to be found in your case that is not being a true shepherd the fundamental duty of a true shepherd is that the shepherd is very loyal to the sheep you know because even in that context the shepherd is a human being whereas the sheep is an animal and david said the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me besides still what he's so committed to them and he's he's there and that's why he says he will not fear any evil because he's so committed that the enemy won't come when he says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies now you need to be very loyal to the flock that you can organize a feast and let them enjoy whilst you are protecting them from the lion and the hyena that is hiding in the bush and say when would this man get off the way and i'll just come and eat these animals you know and so the commitment of the pastor is also very fundamental it's a two-way traffic in fact when loyalty is looked at carefully you shouldn't demand it it flows naturally because you have a relationship with the flock and because of the way you relate with the flock they will naturally also be loyal to you if you are there for them yeah it's true there are people who betray jesus was nice but judas betrayed him Mm -hmm. you know but that's one off you know that's not sometimes we look at the the disloyalty or the disloyal person and make it look like everybody is possible for them to be disloyal but uh, there was only one judas it was devastating but at least there were still 11 loyal people sometimes we forget about them and trumpet that of brother judas but jesus was committed to them and i believe that the pastor must also be very committed to his flock pay the price and do the same thing as you do it it's a seed it naturally generates the people become loyal to you and the mission of the church and when we move into that place you don't demand it it naturally flows amen amen
0: Um, i'm just thinking papa Mm -hmm. so the question about loyalty um, from pastors towards the congregation Mm -hmm. I think probably it's because sometimes there's a perception that um, pastors, maybe they respond to some people Mm. and not to others because, Mm. I don't know, because of maybe what they have or or something. So I'm sure there are some pastors online as well. So can you help us, uh, Papa? How, as a pastor, Mm. how can you conduct yourself and your affairs and your ministry in such a way that you do not give room for people to think that you are more loyal to some people than to others or you like some people more than others when or you are essentially discriminating because they don't have anything and mm-hmm. um, how
1: do you prevent that from that Happening. seed from being sown mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's a very relevant question the 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 thing is that um the scripture tells us in a few places especially in the same thing but i think first timothy five twenty. um when it comes to discipline of leaders um, it says do this without partiality or favoritism and the book of james also enjoined church leadership and even members not to discriminate between the poor and the rich and james talks about the fact that if a poor man comes among you would you receive him with the same thing so based on what i thought two weeks ago about Understanding your pastor with reference to the people he brings closer to work with. Um, sometimes, when it's not thoroughly explained, like I did the last time, it is very easy from that perspective for people to think, oh, there are some favorites here. Um, but the, the purpose is to, Pastor brings certain people closer to himself because of the four reasons that were given, you know, because they understand the vision and you could run with them, because some of them have gifts and talents, but they have moral flaws or human flaws and weaknesses that pastor actually brings them closer so he could correct that um, and others that he wants to be very comfortable with and others too that have got what it takes to fulfill one or two things so he used he brings them closer so he could train them for that assignment that said the pastor must not discriminate against anybody and so he needs to really conduct himself or herself in a way so as not to come across in that way and i think that training is number one so that every now and then you provide some form of training for people to understand what goes on in the house the nature of ministry and the levels of relationship that goes on i think that sort of training if that is even weaved into the discipleship process of the church when people are becoming members of the church this is even a module to be taught you know who a pastor is and when they observe these things this is what actually it means I believe that teaching, sound teaching of everything that goes on in the house, um, will help remove that mindset, that suspicion that there are some people being treated as favorites here. Um, that said, there are also certain places where there is clear discrimination because, you know, some people bless the pastor, and so you know, their, their gifts are very huge others don't have anything so in some churches you know they are not respected uh, that is not right um, and when we see things like that a pastor must be sensitive enough to know something like this is going on it's not very good and it's not healthy for the congregation to say i don't care how you think you know it's, it's wrong i've heard some pastors say things like that when when those vibes begin to come up or people begin to say pastor some people are not happy they think that you discriminate against them i don't care you know they can please themselves things like that is wrong for a leader and a pastor to say if you notice that and something is going on arrange a meeting either you see whatever i tell pastors all the time because we don't know all the things that we will face in ministry from my personal experience what i've done is every challenge and every problem we face i convert it into a curriculum and i will teach it as a subject so any challenge we face i will think about it and prepare a material and have training session sometimes you can take the whole chair to a retreat so that you can teach to the understanding matters like this people will come back from the retreat blessed and edified because they understand what is going on and therefore the prejudice will just be removed but if you leave it hanging for a long time it becomes a formed opinion and then it is passed on to others you may not be able to call a press conference to explain yourself but people will have that opinion and say there are some special ones here unfortunately for you sometimes some of those special ones may do something wrong and then you deal with it in a different way and say ah we said it you see this one did it and was publicly rebuked this one did it and they privately rebuked and we don't even know what they are doing here so when a pastor sees it you have to speak about it you have to arrange a forum of training and provide leadership to your people explain take it as a matter i always said to leaders in their departments whatever you see there take it any challenge there take it turn it into a curriculum and teach it so that it becomes what you even teach at your induction because it's a possible problem that will arise in the ministry that's how we build policies and systems within governments and within organizations so i believe that when pastor must conduct himself in a way not to be seen to be having favorites because it disturbs the harmony of the house Um, and and that is it and sometimes pastor you know takes a hard if pastor knows about these things the people that he's accused of being favorites um then woe unto them because when they do something wrong the hammer goes very hard on them because of the first to send a message and then they also feel like oh no i mean i did the same thing the other brother did but it looks like you have used a sledgehammer to discipline me you know it is all because you may not know that pastor is hearing that they said you are the favorite and that is why he will also act that way and then he may be misunderstood and then the other person the next time i'm leaving the church you know i've served this place faithfully and i just did this thing and he came down on me with a heavy hammer because you didn't know that he has been accused that you are his favorite so he acts in that way it, it reminds me when we were in secondary school and we were prefects uh in in our time when we got to sixth form upper six and and we became leaders of the scripture union from being president and vice president in fact the, about 98 percent of the entire prefect body were members of the christian scripture union on campus now (laughs) then you can't break a rule if you're a member of the scripture union i mean i i I had to actually lash some girls because and uh, because they were they were were, they were members of the scripture union and you can't be breaking the rule uh, and and and, you know i can't discipline somebody and then leave you so when others receive six lashes i I give you ten i'm pastoring some of them so sometimes i don't disclose it for people to know that i've lashed them before but i'm, I'm pastoring some of them in church
0: amen. amen amen so if you're a pastor if you're a leader and um, don't ignore prejudices and perceptions and memories um, because if i can borrow your words the serpent in genesis yes. can become a dragon in revelation that's right Amen. 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 If you've just joined us, you are welcome to our midweek service. This is Christ Church International. And tonight we are having a QA, a get understanding on the relationship between the pastor and the congregation. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions, you can put it on Facebook or YouTube, or you can send it to get understanding at Christchurches.org. Amen. 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 Just a minute. I have one very interesting question here, Papa. Okay. Okay. So um, the question says, I think this is this is a very interesting one because <laughs> it, it's starting to look at um, not just a pastor, mm. but in, in a church where you have a senior pastor and other pastors as well. Okay. It says, is it wrong for a member to prefer the pastor over the bishop or the senior pastor? if so why or is it wrong for the congregation to prefer a pastor over the the senior pastor and preferring in terms of like preaching character etc maybe they think that they they are more accessible or things like that and if it is wrong is there something that the pastor can do to change
1: this okay um there are circumstances where people feel that way and um of course it is its levels of maturity uh, because we may all not have the same personality um, and so immaturity will make us think that i think i prefer this one to that but then are we looking at the spiritual position because if you were in moses congregation uh, probably you may not like him you would prefer joshua because of his charisma and the way he goes in and out but actually all his victories every breakthrough you are seeing him publicly done is that moses has been interceding for him so if you move the moses out of the way that one becomes nothing he's unable to function within the congregation so as when we're growing up we also thought oh i think i'll prefer this one but then we didn't understand the spiritual position it is god who chose the person sometimes that pastor may not be that charismatic as the senior pastor or the bishop but then another younger minister will be very charismatic etc we just need to have spiritual maturity to understand that their offices and the ministries are ordained by god and that god has his preference and choices as to who he uses and so we can be excited about who is preaching to us today and who is this person today but then that should not make us try to substitute their head the one that god has made the head remains head it is fathers who bless brothers don't bless so when we become there's a certain level of blessing that the pastor you are excited about cannot impart because himself received it from the head and whilst you are very um you know in love with him he's actually also loyal to his head you see so he may not even be aware that actually you are preferring him to his head but it is immaturity that leads us into those conclusions i remember in a particular church you know people felt that the assistant pastor was more vocal much more he has you know he's very very eloquent than the senior pastor who is very very he speaks slowly and it feels like you will sleep but i tell people all the time if you are very matured and very spiritually alert you you can hear the voice of god even through the most boring teacher and so it is not the antics but it is the spiritual position the person occupies Um, aaron and her um, could have made the same mistake where it appeared moses was tired and they could have just said you know shift him from the place let's sit and and do it but they rather supported his hand because they realized he's not just standing there he occupies a position and that teaches us something because you see much as it was joshua who was charismatic and moving in and out and ultimately he led them into the promised land on the mount of transfiguration when god needed a representation of the law and the prophets it was not joshua who appeared it was still moses who appeared his position is still recognized by god you find out that it was elijah who appeared and wasn't Elisha, even though Elisha carried a double portion of the anointing so it is not the display of power it is a spiritual position and when we understand it that way we grow out of that immaturity and that mindset it may be very slow might be old like eli the priest but he taught samuel how to hear from god so there are certain experiences that that office is standing you know that person is standing in a position in the spirit which is not natural so when we understand it that way then we grow out of that but i can understand when we were babies in the lord we have done that before and thought i oh i got it oh he's still the one preaching again where would they let this guy preach i just love that one you know but then that one that you even love the unction on him is being supported from somewhere and so that is the maturity we have to get into if it is wrong yes it is wrong in that perspective we all get excited if it's another person because we all have different personalities but in terms of the spiritual position biblically it would be wrong to have that mindset and if it is then you repent out of that mindset and start looking at the ministries the ministry gifts with the eye of god and that will help you to grow out of that you know because that will also help you because otherwise you may also be heading a department and someone might feel you are too dull moving this department here i think get off the way and let me come i think i prefer the assistant to you i won't attend choir rehearsal if the assistant is the one is not the one leading you know that will start rising in, but it is all because of spiritual immaturity and i think that when we understand it that way it changes the whole game
0: amen, amen. so it is not the charisma it is the spiritual position i have yes. i have another question just around that yes so um how then do you if you have a relationship with a senior pastor? Mm and there is an order that has been set in the church so Mm. for instance as just an example Mm. in our church we have a grievance uh, procedure where you you go through your head of department then you go to a deacon or a pastor and then if it it, is not they are not able to solve it then it can come to you Mm. so if you have a relationship with the senior pastor Mm. should you bypass these things should you bypass the set order in the church just because you have that kind of relationship with him and you are more you think that you are more free and Mm. you know able to share your your thoughts with him or even if let's say an announcement goes and says oh if if you need this go to pastor a Mm. but yeah I, i don't i'm not really free with pastor a uh i would like to go to bishop because yeah bishop i know bishop i talked to is that right and if it's not then how do you how do you set
1: that right as well okay um the bible says that in the house of god there is order and so leadership must be firm to make sure that order orderliness is followed in the house if we bypass the rules we will destroy the integrity of the organization and the discipline of the house so much as you may be free with the bishop or the resident pastor um, if the procedure says go to a go to a now again it comes down to spiritual maturity because you see the pastor a that you don't want to go to was actually put in office by by the bishop and that's why jesus said anyone that receives me has actually received him who sent me And anyone who denies me has actually denied the one who sent me. So you can't say, okay, I respect the bishop, but I don't respect this other pastor. You are actually indirectly disrespecting the bishop who actually put him in office in the first place. Mm -hmm. So you can't be disrespectful to, let's say, a resident pastor and say, but I am respectful to the bishop. You know, the resident pastor was appointed by the bishop so in the same way it flows to the head of the protocol the head of um, you know choir etc so when there's a procedure in the house follow the procedure and if you are the bishop or the senior pastor and someone bypass direct the person back to to the procedure which is the right thing to do i mean we had an incident in our church a couple of years ago where um, a pastor had an issue with my wife now unfortunately people saw her as my wife but they failed to see her in her position within the house and so whatever happened yes of course verbally she informed me yet i asked her to follow the procedure and say i need an incident report that is the procedure you know so she had to follow a procedure and what we did was enshrined in our constitution it wasn't because she's my wife i would have done it for any other person because the thing is right there in the constitution of the church you know so the procedure is written there and i have to follow the procedure especially when the person i'm dealing with is a pastor who has been trained in the system you see because pastors are trained differently from from deacons you know much as they know so many things pastors know the documents of the house they know the systems of the house so that is why when writing to a pastor you quote setting articles those who don't know would think oh what is all this article No, know the person knows it and you are referring the person to the relevant places where he or she may have broken the rule you know so you ask her to follow the procedure i could have acted i didn't i asked her to follow the procedure write an incident report then i followed on from there to ask those who were present to also write their incident report now this is your wife if you just want to do anything you, why would you follow this but this is there because you know the other person you are dealing knows the constitution and knows the rule so you follow it through you know i've always said if i'm presented with the same set of circumstances i will act in the same way i'm not sorry at all i will act in the same way because it's there in the constitution and we, this is not the first time we have seen anything like that the church has been in existence over 22 years everything that we have met had it before we've suspended pastors before we've done, it's not something new so the point is that i if i allowed it then you would have bypassed the procedure but you followed through and even wrote again to the person explain yourself this is the allegations that have been brought can you write back to explain yourself why should this happen so you see i was following the procedure there i didn't just act to say hey you did this go home no follow the procedure so even if you are the senior pastor make sure that you teach the others to follow the procedure you see teach them to respect the leaders you have put in place so in case they by their immaturity even try to bypass the rule direct them back to the don't hear the matter take them back let them follow it it will finally come to you but it must pass through the proper channels so that it comes otherwise you destroy the discipline of the house the command and control structure is broken that becomes difficult for your leaders to lead the people because the moment you let someone cross it up to you as a senior pastor you undermine the position indirectly of the leaders you have put in place now if that person finds that door open then the person can be rude in their department and anything they come to you you know in that case you are not helping the system the house of god also must be a place of discipline you know we don't do that in our workplaces isn't it you don't just go to the ceo you follow the procedure so when it is like that it is true that sometimes people have got certain personalities and they say oh this matter i really want bishop to handle it for me um if the the procedure in the house doesn't say anything about it fine why not there are certain things that are very personal you just think okay i think i like this person's personality to handle it those are different things you know so those are different but when it comes to procedures of discipline we have to follow the system until it goes up and up and up the chain till it gets to the top where it must get to um if it is about your marriage you know sometimes you you look at it and think okay maybe there's a pastor in charge of marriages so you go to that pastor um, there are certain things where sometimes people will say well i've i've discussed it but i think that i i didn't like his approach but everything give it a try first so that when you go around the person it makes sense i mean if you look at our procedure in in Christchurch, especially in the grievance issue you realize that it states clearly if the way maybe something happened let's say in the protocol department and you are not happy with it, it the rule says pick it up with the head of the department okay. if the way the head handles it you are not happy with it it's very there it's there it's very clearly there it says if if you are not happy with it tell the head that's thank you for handling this matter but i prefer i want us to take it to the next level I, I still i'm not very happy with the way it's been approached i want it to go to the resident pastor you know so then that person is even aware it's not that you go behind the person and suddenly the resident pastor is handling something because that again destroys trust so if you have nothing to hide draw his attention yeah sometimes as humans we feel like oh did she say i didn't handle it well mm-hmm. at least we could still see the person is not happy so he says, "I'm not happy." According to the rule, I can appeal to, to the other person because when it goes there, the resident pastor will still call that head, to say, "I understand you handle this, but she says she's not happy." So we're bringing it up to this level. You are invited to the meeting. You know, so it goes on like that and goes all the way to the top. We, that is proper. So at least there's transparency and there's trust. So I believe that that should be the way it should be when it comes to personal issues yes you can call bishop you know if you have headache he didn't say that if you have headache go through pastor abcd no you could call him or even call the other pastor but when it comes to the laid down structures of the organization there is a good reason why those things are within our code of conduct and within the constitution of the church so i think i've, I've spoken too much these days i'm growing old as my son
0: say amen. amen amen so when they are laid down procedures we have to follow them um, the Bible says that God is, the, is a God of order, yes. um, not disorder. So um, let's learn this evening. If you try to you know, circumvent the, the procedure, bishop will send you back. <laughs> um, don't be offended when he does. It is supposed to help us to learn and to follow the procedures of the house. Amen. 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 Um, I have one question here, Papa it says that how does a pastor relate with church members financially
1: Mm, okay Um, pastors are supposed to uphold what we call ministry ethics you see there are ethics regarding every uh, profession and every institution Um, ethics are the above board procedures that we follow to ensure the integrity of the ministry in 2 corinthians chapter six uh, paul wrote and said that we do these things so that the ministry is not blamed um, i'm sure those of you who are following maybe british political news mm-hmm. you hear that the home secretary came under fire recently uh, because she has broken ministerial code you see these are code of ethics so when we do it in church it's not like we want to control anybody it's the standard way of behaving ethically now pastors are supposed to observe ministerial ethics and one of the ethics that pastors must follow is financial ethics um, you are the pastor of the church you are not a bank ethically pastor must not borrow money from church members um, because anything can go wrong you know sometimes you may lose your respect for borrowing money from church members secondly if you are not able to pay back you create a little problem for yourself you see because my grandmother always says that the tongue that goes to ask for a loan is different from the tongue that actually pays it back and so in order to protect your office and your dignity that's why paul said i have learned to abase and learn to abound if you don't have it don't force yourself don't push it don't go around asking for money and throwing a pity party and making it look like you have nothing to eat and you are struggling here no believe god and trust god to provide for yourself but don't borrow money from church members secondly don't keep money for church members don't hold money in safekeeping for church you are not a bank if the money gets lost or it gets missing in your house or in your custody that will also create a small little scandal for you um again you know church money unless that is the beginning of the church and or maybe circumstances means that part of the house of the church part of the uh, your house becomes maybe a church office church money must not be counted in pastor's house you know church money must not be counted by the pastor it sends the wrong message to people as if all the money has been given to him, you know. So you really need to follow ethical procedures when it comes to money. But with members of the church, and of course, we've seen that in the past where we had some leaders who borrowed from members of the church, and some even went to borrow in my name. And I had no idea, but they said, oh, well, my salary is delayed. And the bishop said if, you know, he he would have given it to me, but he's also committed to other people. He said, I should ask you, and I haven't said anything like that. You know, it goes a long way to affect the integrity money can be very some way um, and so as a leader you have to be very very careful uh, in relating with people especially when it comes to money um,
0: so. I, I have a follow-on question yes <laughs> um, money and finances mm. uh, one of the things even outside of church that yeah. can really spoil relationships really quickly That's right. so um in terms of business should a pastor can a pastor have a business that involves selling Mm. to other members to the members of the church and if that is your what you do Mm. then how do you manage it in such a way that it doesn't become a problem for the church if that's your personal business right Right. how do you handle that so that it doesn't you know become a big thing and a big problem for the church as a whole okay
1: well as as a rule um the pastor must stay above board um, if it becomes necessary that he's running some business uh, he may have to let someone run it for for him um, and so that at least he's not in the front all the time um, over that because that becomes very difficult some people may have to um, buy things on credit um, within the house etc uh, some to because they know his pastor they, they may not pay uh, and the pastor may be suffering you know so and he doesn't know how to go and ask them for for the money uh, because of his position so pastors who do business and there's nothing wrong if if you have to do business and run some business it's it's proper and it's in order unless the calling of god clearly says you are called into full time and you have to touch no other thing that's a different thing that one god would have said that to you so you stay within that but if you want to run some business there's no issue just that carry it with integrity and make sure that somebody's actually running it on your behalf and if you engage any person in the church to run it on your behalf whether it's going to be you will pay that person or not but the person would love to do it for you because it's pastor remember that is outside ministry even though it is within the church um, get some form of agreement and write it down because sometimes that same person say oh pastor nothing oh i'm just working for you sometimes they may change and start telling people you see how after service i'm still standing here selling this thing and they are not giving me even a pin now that creates a problem so make sure that pastor any dealings that will involve finances let there be a written agreement let there be some witnesses write it down i engage you to sell shoes for me in the church you have promised that you will not take any salary from me we have agreed I've engaged you after service. You do this, you do that, and do that. When you finish selling, bank it do, because it's going to still be money with a church member. Even if people in the church don't buy it on credit or they won't default, the person who you have committed the work to is a member of the church. That person is supposed to bank the money. What if he doesn't bank all? You know, so all that there must be firm rules that is also written, some form of agreement. And when members of the church even you know come together. We love ourselves, we are happy, and we want to run a business together. I still say, let there be a written contract mm-hmm. spelling out the terms of what we have here. We've come together, we are running a business. And when we finish, whatever the proceeds are, we are going to share 40% among ourselves, 20% will go into this and that. This should be clearly defined. The Bible says, can two walk before they agree? No, let's start all these things again with experience i say everything involving money let there be a written agreement let there be a written agreement for the sake of the future because sometimes when prosperity comes some people may change somebody may accuse another person falsely or somebody may get some wrong advice and they change towards the whole agreement and now they go and say something else which was not what you agreed so when you call the matter it's always this one's word against this one's word when it comes to money it creates needless suspicions so let there be a document that will speak for you no matter how close you are still please do something like that it protects you as the pastor in business and also as congregation members who are also contracted to do something
0: amen amen Um, i will stretch it once
1: more yes stretch today we are here for everything
0: um so does this also apply to um, not the senior pastor but Mm. other pastors as well in terms Mm. of business and even leaders uh should they have a business that involves you know selling and if they do do they also need to get someone to front it for them or because they are not the head it's okay for them to you know front their own businesses
1: um I think that in in all circumstances uh, it is the household of faith um, i don't believe that members of the church should not run businesses within the church uh, the members of the church also become their clients and so we all help one another in the house of god um, i believe that it will apply especially you know just think about it what is it that you are selling because you are pastor and um, and it is the nature of the business that will determine whether you should front it or stay away from it because sometimes it will be very difficult sometimes to find yourself in that position because there are certain levels of selling um, that will mean that somebody will have to ask for a reduction and uh, he looks at you and he's going to bargain with you that way maybe it won't be possible in that case you may lose business because someone thinks he can never negotiate that with you so he's rather going to look for someone else to actually deal with so it's also wise sometimes to find someone in all these things let the senior pastor know about it so he gives his permission that that business can run because the other business you want to run another person would like to run the business or will try and do the same thing and then there'll be competition in the house and hurt and needless so the thing is that is pastor aware of this if pastor is aware then he knows if another one is coming he either have to advise whether that should be allowed here or not you know and everything clearly explained in a loving way so that one doesn't feel like oh but you see when it is my turn to do this business they say it's not allowed here Mm -hmm. it's to prevent needless fights and competition in the house so if if the senior pastor is aware he will give his permission uh, for something to be done if he looks and gauges that this might cause a problem to the ministry he may pause everything and say okay i don't think this would be a good idea for this now sometimes he may say i think do it outside for a while uh, until the coast is clear you know so that when another person can say oh somebody has come already he started this business two years ago in church if we add this it may create a problem so i think that i will not be able to permit that here that understanding should come you know and i always tell people in similar situations if it was the, sh- the thing was on the other foot and you were here before that person started would you not have loved pastor to have given the same verdict so that is the way it should be Uh, but it should be done in such a way that it does not obstruct the main purpose of ministry and i think that in those circumstances it would be wise to find someone to actually front it um, as well so
0: amen nice. thank you papa you're welcome so now we're moving away from money a little bit <laughs> i'm sure we may come back later right. um, but i have a question here that says is it right for your pastor to correct or rebuke church leaders in front of the congregation
1: okay the as we learned in the past um, week and two um, one of the primary functions of the pastor is to rebuke to teach to rebuke to correct to exhort and so rebuke is part of the work now but how do we do it you see so there are many things god may have asked us to do but then wisdom also teaches us the context in which it has to be applied um i think that it's um i think it's second timothy chapter four verse 20 and 21 uh, maybe let's let's be sure i'm quoting the right scripture I, I i normally don't go off the thing but let, let me be sure that it is the right scripture so that i don't so it, it is first timothy chapter five first timothy chapter five verse 20 it should be first timothy 5 20 okay. um, and 21 yeah. do you want me to read it okay. yes
0: first timothy 5 20 and 21 those who are sending rebuke in so the present
1: started from 19
0: 19 do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear i charge you before god and lord jesus and the lord jesus christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice doing nothing with partiality amen Amen.
1: so if we look at this when it came to correction the pastor in this case the apostle paul was directing timothy his son on how to handle some of these things in their congregation uh, in chapter 3 he has taught him how to criteria to look for to appoint leaders in the house and then in chapter 4 he talked extensively about doctrine and the sacrifice and practice of the faith and in chapter 5 he gives further instructions especially on how to handle widows and also discipline of leaders in the house there it the context is leaders when he says the elders And it says against an elder, in this case, pastor or deacon or any other leader in the house, which it applies to anyway. It says, any accusation against an elder, you pay attention to it, but let there be two witnesses before you can even give it a hearing. And then it says, when you have done that, those who are sinning, that means those who continue to sin, that means those who continue to break rules even with moral sin whatever it is that not, needs to be corrected when you use the word sinning it is present continuous tense there that means that after several admonitions they are still doing it that is when we come into the public rebuke because it's there clearly spelled out it says therefore this category of leaders who consistently break the rule rebuke them before everybody so there is a place for public rebuke where you call the person to stand in church and blast in the presence of everybody this can only be done when the procedures have been followed the private admonitions secretly as a leader you correct your leaders privately first if you correct them like little children before the people they are leading you take away their self-confidence as a leader you must give your leaders confidence to lead and so you don't actually rebuke them in the presence of that even when they do something wrong call them privately and rebuke them they'll be happy with that and that is also very good because it's part of your teaching that's why sometimes you see the scripture says and jesus called peter aside and rebuked him you know so it means that you don't do that publicly because it will take the confidence away from the leader he will feel ashamed he will feel humiliated in the presence of the people he's leading which you have asked him to lead whatever a leader does call him privately but consistent breaking of the rule and sinning which may go a long way to ultimately affect the integrity of the church and bring the name of the church to ridicule and leadership to ridicule then at one point there must be that public rebuke and he says do it so that it will send a message to other leaders Mm -hmm that's why it says that others may also fear so there's a purpose there that it will send a message to others that look if you continue this way this can happen you may be called publicly unawares uninformed and it's sudden because if we tell you before you won't come to church that Sunday so you won't know and suddenly you are called and then it's done publicly that has a place in scripture but before we get there that should be there that should be that should be the last 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 resort after several private admonitions then we are told how to proceed again on that that do it without favoritism and partiality you see he answers that earlier question so even when we have to rebuke rebuke whether the person is the one that brings the highest tithe to the church or not correction is important so he says do it without favoritism without partiality it says ensure this is done so again we are supposed to carry it out in that way fearlessly shamelessly and without favoritism correct and that will go a long way to bring order to the house god is a loving god he gave very clear instruction on how the ark should be carried the day david and his men with good intentions brought the ark Uzzah had good intentions but wrong method he touched the and god killed him there he won't tolerate it he stopped the procession he didn't mind the praise and worship all stopped and they have to go and start all over again and david learned his lesson and he said we made a mistake at the beginning we didn't check so let's go back to see in the scriptures how did god say moses should tell the people to carry this ark, and they understood that they must carry it on poles on their shoulders and not on a cart as the philistines who didn't have a covenant with god may have done that erroneously they may have escaped with it but for you that have a covenant with god a member of the church that have signed up to say that i will submit to the rules and regulations of the house sometimes you see it's a covenant you have signed when you join the church you are giving a form page two of that form says would you submit to the leadership of the church you said yes would you submit to the discipline of the church you said yes some four years later you forgotten, you said this you have a covenant with the church the church wants to discipline Say, so who are they to discipline you are the covenant breaker in the realm of the spirit you don't have a case satan can even use it against you so we need to be very sensitive spiritually but the reality is that there is a, such a place for public rebuke but by, before we get there there have to be that private admonition give the person the opportunity to correct themselves and all of that don't destroy people the aim of rebuke is to correct that's why it follows it rebuke correct you know as soon as you rebuke you correct and you must be matured enough as a pastor to learn to do that do it like the way our mother skillfully did it when we're growing up mommy will smack you and then as you start crying she will embrace you and then say who is it is it mommy is it mommy let me beat her for you let me beat her for you and then also comfort you you see at the same time so you are rebuked and then corrected at the same time so the aim of rebuke is not to destroy the person because that is still someone you have trained you have poured so much into the person the person has been loyal all these years so if they mess up you rebuke them but you don't bring it publicly see it's one of the reasons why we are rebuking pastors and disciplining pastors is done in private that's why we we can't bring those who are not pastors into the discipline of a pastor because a pastor has an air of morality around them you don't have what it takes when you see all the skeletons of that pastor that is being rebuked you you you'll not be able to respect that pastor again but the senior pastor will be able to rebuke that person and still give that person the opportunity to rise within the system and that is why those things are done quietly it's not secret to hide anything or to punish anyone but to protect the person because after the discipline the person will be restored to get into the pulpit to preach to you that is why we say when you're going through this you don't let the congregation know the pastors know but the congregation doesn't know so because when you finish you will come back to lead them and if they get to know all of that you will lose respect that's why we correct leaders privately we can only come forward publicly when they have broken all the rules after several admonitions to actually do it publicly so the intention is not to destroy them because their future is still important and that is the important thing that we have to consider whenever we are rebuking people and correcting i know in certain organizations is very bad you are publicly humiliated right in the church with your children around and all those things that is not bible that is not right you don't humiliate people that way Um, you correct them the purpose is correction not destruction and so we can't be doing that in the whole congregation you know when out of the blue the leader have not even been given several chances just stand how is your branch is it working well not working well look at you and then the words and insults and abuse and all of that that is totally unchristian you know that's totally unchristian and that's not acceptable we have to respect the people that we have made and trained as leaders and give them opportunity to function and correct their errors so that they can learn from it and be able to lead their team with dignity.
0: Amen. 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 So the aim of um, rebuke is to correct yes. um to and restore, restore yes. but not to destroy. So even though there is a place for public um rebuke yes. it's very rarely it should be very rarely used. Yes. It should only be used um after consistent breaking of the rules. Yes and when it's going to bring the the church into disrepute yes
1: let me also correct something here sometimes um there can be what some people might think is public but it's actually not public it is when you have a team of leaders let's say you have met all pastors and you are receiving reports from each of them and you are you know talking to each of them you see it is a meeting of equals it's pastors it's there's no congregation member here so if i say I don't like the way you are handling your church you know that kind of, it, it shouldn't be seen as as if i'm rebuking you publicly you know it's, it's different from i would never do that in a congregation i'll never do that with even a deacon around you know but if among pastors it, it is a meeting going on which is actually receiving verbal reports and so there can be that feedback going on that should not be misconstrued in that context you know and even that it will still be done in a way not to make you feel humiliated it is one thing talking about what you are not doing right and it's another thing altogether insulting your person telling you you are useless telling you you are hopeless you know and what hope do we even have in that branch and that kind of you know statements that that is not that is still not correction it is carrying a tinge of something that would demoralize someone you know so it, it it should it should not be even in that context there should be that place for the pastor to express you know what he's not happy with and what he can then encourage the team to move with because sometimes one person can also learn and say, okay i think i'm also having the same issues you know so i'm struggling with that so that that is that platform is different from when it is actually a general church level with other subordinates around and and doing that that that's not right.
0: Papa, how do you then distinguish between feedback and rebuke? Okay. Um because sometimes if you are not careful, um you might be given feedback but you could take that as, as a form <laughs> a of rebuke.
1: rebuke here. Yes. Yes, I mean there's I mean some feedbacks are forms of rebuke, but they are not carrying any penalty with it, you know, and and again it is because you see rebuke actually scolds one way or the other so if what is being presented or what i have received um, i look at it and felt okay i think it's not right here it's not right here yes you should be able to say i think you got it wrong here you know this is not acceptable such words could be used you know but it shouldn't move on to insulting you see and then um once we are getting feedback we have to prepare ourselves for anything sometimes that's what subordinates don't prepare themselves for you know it's like okay i'm going to get feedback and am i expecting only positive feedback because a negative feedback can also come in the form of a rebuke and in that case i just have to accept it as a feedback you know both positive and negative so i can learn from it and then move forward but then, if i skew my mind only to it should be all well and good and i have to determine how he phrases his displeasure with the feedback is giving me because he has to express it in a strong way so i can know that no i don't think i have to repeat this again if he has to be mild about it it will be repeated again you know so i think that when we receive feedback we should be prepared for anything that the feedback itself could be a rebuke but then every genuine feedback which even carries a rebuke has always got the correction inside it to say i expect this the next time you know i think that you can improve this area and other but then the expression of displeasure comes along with it and and that that we should have maturity to accept that
0: um so since we are talking about relationships i will ask in the other direction as well yes so feedback can come from your support dates to Mm. to to you as well yes um how as a as a lead as a pastor first Mm. of all and then maybe as a leader of a department Mm. how how do you take um negative feedback without letting it demotivate you or turning it around such that the people who are giving you the feedback then don't even feel like giving you feedback anymore how how does that work and how do you ensure that that doesn't affect the relationship that you have with the the people who are giving you the feedback okay
1: um again it comes down to maturity um the head of departments the senior pastor of the church the resident pastor of the church um, should also be open to some feedback of course there are certain things that of course you cannot give me feedback as to whether i heard from the holy spirit or not (laughs) you know so there are certain areas they are they are within the jurisdiction of the senior pastor however there are certain things that you may need feedback on if you are the head of a department or a, a group and the members may see something or observe something and come to you with that Um, the the pastor must also be matured enough to know that he can get feedback now if a feedback is sent to him in a way that he didn't like maturity also means that you teach the people how you expect them to send it rather than cutting off the bible says and david consulted with captains of fifties and captains of hundreds he is called he knew he was in that room when samuel poured the oil on his head he knew he is called by god but he will work with a team um, it was just that aaron and miriam didn't know how to carry that feedback to head that created a problem so because of that we need to be very circumspect in the way we communicate our feedback uh, but i believe that pastors must be matured also to receive it um, sometimes it is the background um, of upbringing of the pastor um, i mean you see the difference between probably someone that has a background from africa and someone who had a background from Europe, how they take feedback you know it's just because the way we see leadership is so authoritative and totalitarian that you know you don't suggest anything to me you know it's just like you know we were brought up in you know back home um, it is the elder that asks you how are you but it's very it's not common for the younger to ask the older how are you you know so i remember when i first came to england i was struggling with that when someone i'm older than also asked me how are you you know so you don't know whether you should respond or not and back then they think it's disrespectful but that was a different mindset you know i've disconstructed that so i relate with a lot of the young people who also ask me how are you and i also respond i'm fine or by the grace of god or i'm blessed and highly favored and i don't see it as an offense so in the same way you realize that back home you know getting that feedback there's a certain sort of like don't tell me what to do because of that mindset but when we look into the scriptures uh, christ even received some feedback when he wanted to multiply bread but he still called the team and say what do you guys think where are we going to get money to feed these people that was the answer that philip gave that was feedback it was negative <laughs> to say we don't have money Haven't I mean, you checked the coffers we don't have money how are we going to fund all these people let them go home you know but jesus didn't get offended he decided to okay thank you for the feedback but i believe that this would be the, the approach so we take it that way so throughout the scriptures we see this sort of setup where leadership receives some feedback because you can be blind to the circumstance around you your people may know something you don't know uh, most of the time with all our building funding projects i still submit it to the professionals working around me it will go back and forth it comes back to my desk i still throw it back to them because i think you know what summarize all these things and let me have your best decision then i can take that best decision and explain your best decision to me so i can move forward i can't say i'm the one god called when i can't i don't understand the engineering and all the calculations that is going to piling what's my business why has god given me people so i just need to ask sometimes i say i want it this way then they say no bishop we will still need some pillars so i said i don't want a pillar in the thing he said no we will need some pillars somewhere and columns so that they can hold the weight of the i said i don't want it so they have to go back and but still they come back and say i think at this point we will still need it at this location finally i give up when they explain it to me i, I don't say the holy ghost said i'll go and kill everybody we all come there in excitement and the building collapses because i want what i want and i don't understand the engineering you know so you accept the feedback it's just the way that it has to go sometimes strategies for fundraising you know to go back and forth and finance team will come back and say yes but i think that no if we do it this way won't work of course i have to accept it and then finally go with that you know it is not something to say you are the head they are setting when it comes to the professionalism around things people who have got the background and all the skill you listen it is how we carry it which is the key and so as we mature as leaders we will have to accept feedback as well it may be negative but it's how we carry it that is the skill that's um, we have to adapt. and as leadership in case somebody misses it and throws a feedback that carries some tone of disrespect be matured enough and invite the person and say i think i understand how you wanted to present this what you wanted to say but i think you came across as disrespectful you know so then you correct that person in private and in that case you have coached someone how to deal with leadership in the future it may even go a long way to affect their performance at work that they would have learned a skill from you so don't just be angry and cut off that they don't respect let's emancipate our minds from a certain mindset and culture where we came from (laughs)
0: <laughs> amen thank you very much Papa. you're welcome um so i'm going back to
1: finance <laughs> okay let's go
0: <laughs> if uh, you said that a pastor must not borrow from um, church members mm. must he lend to church members
1: it, it is the same way i have learned by experience that um if you lend to church members make it that it is a gift that it it may come back or may not come back because it's the same way it can create problems you know it can create problems so um, if you feel someone has need and they need money from you weigh the options carefully look at everything it also depends on the extent of relationship you know jesus built relationship to the point where he could hand over his mother john so it depends on the depth of the relationship that you have and build with the people but all that said if you decide to lend some money um, you have a choice some may come back and some may not come back Um, and and that is where the problem lies when you now begin to pursue it it becomes very difficult as the pastor now chasing this person for the money if the person doesn't have ethics and respect even bt and all the other utility companies at a point will tell you if you are struggling let us know you know but sometimes in the house of god we we don't follow rules and uh, our christianity should not just be something that we come to church to hear the word but we have to apply the disciplines of relationships and so if you are not able to meet the need at the point in time where you have promised you will pay go back to pastor again and say i'm not able to please give me some more time Uh, but then sometimes pastor if you are not very careful as experience has shown in our case they stop coming to church yeah they stop coming to church i lent two thousand pounds to someone and that person also went on to actually borrow from members of the church in my name and um, when we started asking for it it became something else and one day she just disappeared with everybody's money that's it she stopped coming to church because she should be asked and then ultimately she just disappeared left the church and that's it so pastor save yourself <laughs> see it depends on the relationship it depends on the urgency of the matter and what we are dealing with but sometimes when you give bear in mind it may not come back and so <laughs>
0: thank you papa so um if you give bear in mind that it may not come back amen so papa said something about discipline of relationships i haven't asked for his permission but at this point i'm going to say that uh, bishop has a book called blessing of relationships since we are talking about relationships if you don't have it please amazon you can buy it, read it, it will bless you. If you've read it, buy it and give it to someone so that we can all grow in relationships in church and, and in work at work and in our families as well. Amen. 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 So, sorry, Papa, I didn't ask for
1: permission. <laughs> <laughs> she went on a commercial break. <laughs> That's Oprah Winfrey.
0: <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We are learning a lot today. Yeah it's all about relationships and uh, relationships are very important because Mm. uh, human beings are not meant to be islands yes we we have to relate to people and it is the relationship that we have with people that determines even how we progress at work how we progress in our spiritual lives and in all aspects of our lives amen Mm. and that brings me to another question i have Mm. and it says that when being a member of a specific church Mm the senior pastor there is automatically your spiritual father
1: Mm.
0: however is it possible to have more than one spiritual (laughs) father
1: amen (laughs) amen okay sometimes some people struggle with spiritual father even though you know sometimes they try to criticize those who use the word spiritual father Uh, but we know that when you say spiritual father you are not trying to substitute god almighty who is our father spiritually god knows our heart when we say someone is my son in the lord or spiritual son you know paul uh, described himself as father and called timothy and titus and the rest as my son and he says i have begotten you in the spirit so um, that that is the the way things stand however um the general response to this is that we can only have one spiritual father or father in the lord paul wrote and said that you have one father but you have many instructors so those other people may be instructors may be teachers but there's only one father you can only have one father that's that's what paul taught i think in in in, uh, galatians if i'm not mistaken it says that first corinthians 4 15 first corinthians 4 15 please read it for yes Yes. first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15
0: first corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 for though you might have ten thousand instructors in christ yet you do not have many fathers for in christ i have begotten you through the gospel
1: amen amen so it's very clear it's one I say you have many instructors that's why at one point when the church was struggling in their spiritual immaturity in corinth the church in corinth some said i belong to apollos others said i'm for uh, silas and uh, etc and then paul comes in to say hold on you know paul planted apollos watered, god gave the increase there shouldn't be factions here that's why he went on again the same church in corinth struggling in their immaturity as to who to call father he came into clarity say these are instructors; they may be mentors but there's only one father i hope i've answered that yes yeah. you have
0: there's only one spiritual father i have a follow-up question actually Papa. yes so you know that sometimes people change churches and um, mm. not not because of any evil intentions maybe mm. they move um they go to another country for instance and mm. and they, their church maybe doesn't have a branch or something and mm. they they become members of another church and mm. um, what happens that way so if you were okay before i, I continue mm. i just want to say that i think i may be wrong so please correct me here <laughs> i think that to be able to claim that your senior pastor is your spiritual father you actually must be a very good committed member of the church right so if you were committed in your old church and Mm. your pastor was your spiritual father Mm. you've moved and you have joined another church how does that work is there a change of ownership okay (laughs) i don't know if that's the right word right
1: okay (laughs) i always say that fathers are not like suits that we change (laughs) you know they, they they remain the same sometimes we and like you rightly said um it is not that anybody who comes to our church i am their spiritual father you know i may be the spiritual head of the house but i may not necessarily be their spiritual father uh, because i may not be the one who have mentored them trained them poured into them they just came to the church they cannot just be my children they are members of the congregation i am their shepherd at the moment but sonship is different it takes some time to raise sons and daughters so we may be from another church come in here and then you find that your 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 growth and everything really is from this place you that is where that sort of relationship becomes defined as in this this truly is my spiritual father Mm -hmm. you know because that is the one that has birthed you poured into you taught you you know fed you and you have you can see that you have grown you know that that is so we become adopted children you know in in certain ways because who is taking care of you and bringing you up and pouring into you and you can see a big difference from where you came from and where you are now that is where that comes in so but if let's say someone in our church moves to another country and we don't have a branch there and joins another church there i may remain the spiritual father that person becomes a pastor wherever the person goes that pastor there is the pastor where they are but of course they have one father okay. you know so that that is made clear and sometimes that is how the relationships work you know so when you arrive there and that pastor is also matured and observing ethics is where have you come from oh i've come from england i've now arrived in india um, there is this church i have come so where is your source where this man brought me up blah blah blah, blah. so that is very clear and that is how come sometimes an event may be taking place and then you are asked to come all the way to come and add your blessing to it because that position is still being recognized by the other church even though that person has now relocated there we still don't have a brand there he's worshiping there and he stayed there for all these years but he knew where his roots and his source is so i believe that there should be no confusion about about that it's it's, so it shouldn't just be like automatic once somebody comes into our church i am their spiritual father you know it, it doesn't work that way you have to be brought up fed and then raised up within the system so
0: i have another one yes (laughs) who defines that relationship the the spiritual father son daughter relationship is there ever a time where a pastor might think this is my spiritual son or or someone might think this is my spiritual father but therefore the the pastor might think no that's not true
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think that these things are it is it is um it's hard to tell the the point but it is dependent on are you following you know is this someone you are following are you following his ministry his teaching um then gradually you find out that he becomes the sort of dominant um voice so to speak the holy spirit is a dominant voice i'm using this for the want of a better word Mm -hmm. but that's you know that is the one you are looking up to and there are signs the fruits you are bearing is is there you know and it is that sort of relationship and the closeness because we don't have sons and daughters who are far away you know so there's also that closeness there's also that depth of growth as you come closer the more you grow the more you're getting closer and the more you get closer the more there is that outpouring of unction and 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 graces and impartations and and those things become the signs that this is begotten of this oil upon that man. You know that is where it, it grew from. Uh, for instance, Elijah was not a son in, initially. When God came to Elijah after he had complained that he's the only one left, God said to him, "I have seven thousand who have not bowed." And then at one point he complained again and said, "I'm not better than my father's killed me." Then God said, "Okay." go and anoint Elisha. look for him and so the bible says he went looking for him because he was a farmer he had his own animal farm and then he took his mantle and threw it at him and he has to start following him and then he has to start teaching him and mentoring him to the point where just before elijah elijah will be taken away Elisha said my father and even the prophets around were saying do you know your father is about to be taken and then he cried my father my father it became even his nickname that the future kings of israel still go to you and say my father my father so you see that initially it wasn't there but it was built in the course of time and that is how elisha became and then he carried the anointing as well joshua from the beginning may not have been seen that way but the more he served faithfully following instructions of moses serving moses getting closer getting closer impartations started flowing and that is where he stands different from the rest So that is how it is developed. It doesn't become automatic. It is developed over time. That's why Paul could write to some people and say, my son in the faith, you know, and he's not calling everybody the son in the faith. Even though he knew he gave birth to them spiritually, he is the father, so to speak. Um, But then it is, then are you allowing your parent to feed you, you know, to grow? And that is where I think that is where that definition gradually begins to take shape so
0: wow thank you very much papa
1: you're most welcome
0: um so i just realized that it's nine o'clock <laughs> i have <laughs> sure there is i some have enjoyed myself thoroughly and um i have learned a lot but i have i think we'll take this last question okay um if there are any any more questions if anyone has any question from the discussions uh, we've had the answers that bishop has uh, um given don't think that when we close that's the end of it please send them through and we'll find a way to answer all of them amen. amen so the 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 last question i'm taking papa it says is it right for a pastor to tell his members how many children they should have
1: <laughs> uh, it is not right uh, the pastor must know his jurisdiction um, he may relate to the people he may if it's a joke it's a different thing but i've heard something like that in some churches where you know um, a pastor was asked uh, not to have any more children uh, because he's he's surpassing the number of children that the bishop has Um, and so that is unacceptable that is no longer leadership that is controlling see we have to know the difference we we can guide we can lead but we are not called to control Uh, humans were not raised by god to control another that is the work of witchcraft so we can dominate the animals but when it came to man check the scriptures if you look at it it said let us make man in our image that they may dominate and have dominion over the earth, not themselves you see so they have dominion over every other thing but not another human being Mm -hmm. so we facilitate so for a pastor now to start veering of unless i will only come in with such an advice if i feel that it is it carries some health risk okay but it cannot be imposed Mm -hmm. but it can be a good advice to say i think the first pregnancy nearly resulted in your death the second one to we it was a close shave i think i think you should pause for the safety of your wife that that could be a good advice but in the some of the instances that i have heard uh, you know a, a senior pastor went as far as advising an abortion of a junior pastor's uh, you know wife's pregnancy uh, because he insists you can't go beyond this number and i think that that is witchcraft uh, sometimes i've also heard in some other church where such things go on because he wants to have people available to do the work of the lord so continuous maternity leave and all those things is going to delay certain sacrifices Uh, but i don't think it is the place of a pastor to determine how many children some people should have in their marriages Uh, there is a limit to what your job description is as a pastor uh, you can counsel marriages and encourage you may hear things about marriages that you can advise and counsel but there are certain areas you have to know that it is not your jurisdiction and including how many a couple could have uh, that will not be your place unless they are very dire economic reasons or they are not applying wisdom in the process and is creating more turmoil and problems you know before i realize they have 14 children and they don't have what to eat and didn't have a job and things like that you step in to provide counsel um etc but to really in terms of what this question is coming from is in the context of some of these places and churches where even as i as i speak to you there are some churches now in the name of church growth and labor in terms of the members of the church are being asked to only have two children and i think it is unacceptable is moving into control is witchcraft that should not be right so yes it's not a place for pastor to tell people how many children should they should have You should be happy to be dedicating more children church growth by birth
0: hallelujah amen, amen. so a pastor has a jurisdiction especially when it comes to such matters yes. amen I know I said I was done, but I have one last okay, question. Okay, let,
1: let it come. One more.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, last one, Papa. <laughs> if I travel from CCI aqua mm. to USA CAC, mm. where do I pay my tithes?
1: Oh, to another church in the USA. I think that is what it is. That is, is yes. where the question is. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that under normal circumstances, you give tithes where you are fed so if you have become a member of another church and you join that church then you have to give your fight there if you decide to be a blessing to your mother church where because you have relocated you are not in church and a, you can set some money aside and give it as a blessing but in terms of where your fight goes your fight should go to where you have been fed as a, as, as a pastor feeds you so that is the general rule uh, that there should be meat in the house for the work of the lord so that that should be the way it is if there's no church you continue to tithe to your to the where you have left until maybe you find another church if you have to start a branch then that goes into the same house but if you have to be anywhere then you you fight there until the lord makes another way out
0: amen. amen amen i mean i i don't know how to end this papa um it's been a thorough blessing this evening I, I think we've had well i say every time that whenever we have q a we just move from one level to the next to the next and we have learned a lot tonight um, if you missed any part of it please youtube christchurch hq facebook christchurch international this and then all our other messages are there even if you didn't miss it He listen to it again i promise you you will hear something that you missed tonight and whenever you listen to it as bishop says every time you listen every time you listen you will hear something different it will minister to you differently amen amen Amen. Amen. so please online can we have some emojis as and some drum rolls and all that and some shouts and dance as on behalf of everyone i say thank you very much to papa um, we've been blessed. Um, I'm sure the messages will come through. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a blessing this evening. You have really helped us to get understanding on the relationship between the pastor and the congregation. And I know that this is just going to help our, our relationship even more. Amen. And it's going to help to move our growth in the church forward. So thank you so much, Papa. You're we are grateful. Amen. Amen. Amen.